Welcome everybody back to episode 7 of the Footy Feast podcast, the place to tune into if you're hungry for more footy content. How are we this week, boys? Uh, we're fresh. We had a few games of disc golf last week and uh, some new discs arrived in the mail today, so we are very excited to hit the course ASAP. Is everybody free Friday morning? Oh, I can be after like 9 Friday, o'clock. So, no, I'm yeah. working Friday too also. Well, anyway, we'll tee up a time, but yeah, same. the same thing goes pretty good. Not much, really. Just ready to do episode seven. Yeah. Sweet. Not a lot on footy news this week, but we've got plenty of content anyway. All right, we're going to move straight on to the weekly segment, the Tassie Timbers. It's going down. I'm yelling timber. You better move. Okay, the Tasmanian Timbers. We're going to smash through a few names this week because we went young last week with the Lachlan Cowan, who also had another brilliant game in the NAB League. Um, we're going to go straight to Carlton this week. Uh, Matthew Kennedy is out of contract in 2025. Has been an improved midfielder for Carlton. Has dropped off a lot lately, but in the guts, in the new Tasmanian team, will bring a bit of hardness. Uh, moving on, next player, we're going to Collingwood and Isaac Quayner. If they can prize him out at the end of 2025, is intercept uh, foot skills, his pace off the halfback line will be excellent next to Lachlan Cowan um, on the halfback flank. We're going to move on to Essendon now and Nick Cox. While he hasn't really broken out as well as he did in the first season, give him another couple of years and by 2026 he'll be cherry ripe to go. I have him on a wing slash half forward, so I think that's a pretty good spot for him. He's tall and lanky and he can run. Um, Gold Coast. Now, I don't know if this guy played at all. Did Mac Andrew play at all this year? No, he hasn't played yet. I think he's been playing um, in the VFL, um, but yeah, no, he hasn't played at AFL level yet. Okay, well, he is a Ruckman key forward. I'm hoping by 2025 he is ready to go and unleash his potential on the new Tasmanian team. Um, so he will be an excellent addition as a key forward. Uh, tall, rangy, good hands. Um, there's a lot of hype around this boy. And we will do one more for this week as we power through our Timbers team which at the moment is looking for a stadium sponsor. So if anyone wants to pay $700 million for a stadium, please ring Gillen McLaughlin and not the Footy Feast podcast. Harry Perryman or Isaac Cumming, take your pick. Both out of contract at the end of 2025. We'll sit nicely on the midfield slash halfback. Who are you picking, Rick? Isaac Cumming. Isaac Cumming? Uh, okay. So Isaac is coming over to Tasmania in... 2026, Harry Perryman, you are staying in GWS. That's all good. They need uh, players with everyone out the door. No ferry for Perry, but Isaac Cumming is coming. (laughs) And on that note, that is the Tasmanian Timber players we are adding to the team for 2026 this week. Thank you for listening to that part. Let's move on while we have the momentum. All right, so this week, Friday night, Richmond versus 
Fremantle, we had a draw. Now, there's been a lot of discussions during the week about the outcome of the draw, whether or not it should stay or go. There's been a few options floated around about extra time. Uh, even heard one about a shootout at the end of the game with kicks from 40 metres out straight in front of goal. So we're going to quickly talk about what we think should happen. Now, are you guys for changing it or keeping it, first of all? I am for keeping it. It works for me. I don't care either way, but if I was to pick one, I reckon make them like golden goal, like next goal wins. So Hardwick said that on the weekend, that he said that it should be next score wins, not next goal wins. No, it has to be next goal. Otherwise, you're just promoting sloppy, straight down the line football. People are going to be trying to kick a barrel from 60. They're not going to care. Whereas if it's last goal wins, you're still going to be more focused on trying to get an actual mark inside 50 and have a legitimate shot rather than just scrap and dash. Of course, Richmond want the scrappy scrap and dash style because that suits their play. Hardwick's just a giant baby. If he doesn't get his way, <laughs> he has a fucking sook every time. His player got hit on the weekend in the VFL, so he had a cry out in the field. He honestly will complain about anything that does not go his way. He has three flags. Take your money to the bank, mate. The draw is here to stay. You should have been a better coach this year and you wouldn't be as worried as you are right now. I strongly think that if Port and Adelaide had a draw on the weekend, he would not have said shit. But because his team's involved and he's fucked up his season and the finals, he's having a massive whinge. So as for me, I think, no, forget him, keep the draw unless it's in the finals and it's actually knockout. Yeah, but just think about the extra excitement it brings to the end of the game. Like, that was like a real buzzed game and people were frothing for it. Like, imagine if it went on, like if it just continued because there was nothing. No, but what's wrong with a draw? Everyone gets two points. That helps exactly, yeah. one team. I'd rather have two points than none if I'm going for a team. Um, if that's what makes me the finals by two points because I had a draw versus missing it, I'll take that draw every day of the week. I'm not prepared to throw away two points for no reason. And I don't know about you, but even though I end up in a draw, I still enjoyed watching the game. Like it was still an intense game, in the, especially in the last quarter when it was close. It's mm. not as if I look at it now and go, oh, that was a draw. That was a really shit game to watch. Yeah, the other thing that you've got to think about is it ruined my bet. My 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 multi-bet was going well, to come off as long as Fremantle the draw. won. So. Draws go with 51 bucks yeah, or 61 bucks, bucks every week. Yeah. So Yeah, but it's the only draw so far this season where you're going to put money on every game to be a draw. I oh. thought Fremantle would win and the rest of my multi come off except Fremantle winning. And if there was a golden goal, there was a chance for me to get my money. I would have been way more buzzed watching the very end of that game. No, I don't, I don't think it should change. If it does change, I don't think the penalty shootout thing is even an option. I think it should just be five minutes each way, extra time. But we've already got continuous in place for finals and the grand final. So I don't understand why we have to change it during the week. If it's not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, it's not necessary. It's just a preference thing. Like like I said at the start, like I, I don't really mind either way, but the penalty shootout's ridiculous. And if they were going to implement it and it went to a vote, I would vote for golden goal rather than extra time. It's just a little bit more excitement. But either way, I'm happy with what they've done. It's good that they've changed it for finals because no final should end in a draw because that is ridiculous. But other than that, all good. Yeah, I like the uh, golden goal too. Siren goes, bring everyone back to the middle, 666. First team to kick a goal wins. I think that's as fair as you could make it if you had to do extra time. I don't want an extra 10 minutes of game time. Is that something you think is good for finals? Uh, in finals, I like the extra time. I think you need it. It's Everything is on the line in this game. It's do or die. So the extra 10 minutes gives everyone a chance. Um, during the season, they don't mean as much. So the golden goal works all right. 
Yeah, I agree. You want the grand final to come down to who's the better team. So the 10 minutes either side doesn't favor one lucky break, one good hit out, yeah, one good clearance. All right, so before we move on, Rick, keep or change? Keep. Great. Yeah, I'm a keep too. Yeah, I don't we're think all in agreement. Keep. Right, Craig, briefly, just mentioned before Port Adelaide. Now, during the week, obviously, Port lost to Geelong. Was close up until, well, I mean, it was close in the last quarter, but we had a, the, at Alberton, the sign was defaced with Sack Hinkley. What do you guys think about the comments? They have a point. Okay, just a, a little bit of uh, facts that I found from We Are Port Adelaide Facebook page. Um, Ken Hinckley's coaching record whilst in the season is very strong. When the big games are on, he doesn't really show up. And it's proven over now a 10-year career in that against top eight teams on average, he will win 32% of the time. That's in home and away and finals games. And then against top four teams, he has a winning percentage even worse, which is 21%. So every year, if you make it through the season in the top four or top eight, you have a 32 and 21% chance of actually winning the next week with Ken Hinckley. And if that's what he's been pushing out for 10 years, um, I think that sign actually has a good point. Yeah, I completely agree. I'm a Port Power supporter. I think he's done his dash. He's been around for 10 years. He's the longest serving coach in AFL, VFL history to not win a grand final. He hasn't even taken us to a grand final. So... It's time for him to go. I just think this year, Port supporters have been so up and down with Hinkley. Obviously, the first 0-5 of the first five weeks, Craig and I, like we said, go to the games every week. And our favorite part for those 0-5 weeks was getting in the car for the drive home and listening to mm. all the all the incoming calls on either Triple M or 5AA of the Port supporters whinging, suck Hinkley, suck Hinkley, suck Hinkley. Then we got on a bit of a run and they're all aboard Hinkley train again. And now they lost to Geelong, which are arguably one of the best teams in the league right now. And now everyone's back on the Suck Hinkley train. So why is that? Well, it doesn't. Uh, me personally, I've been against Ken Hinkley for a couple of years, a couple of years now. Like the problem for me is, what has he changed in the game plan that has made us not beat top eight, top four teams? Kicking the ball long to forwards, waiting for Charlie Dixon to try to bring it to ground doesn't work. We don't have this elite mosquito fleet of small forwards who are capitalizing on Charlie Dixon bringing the ball to ground. Like right now, we look better when Charlie Dixon's in the ruck because Porter forced to make some actual different options. Todd Marshall's leading and we're kicking to him. Where was this two years ago when we actually still had a team that could win a flag? Whereas now, like our list's aging on the weekend. Yeah, Robbie Gray kicked two goals, but he looks horrible. Like, it's yeah, time for him Robbie to hang Gray's up the gloves. Time for him to go, I like, think. Travis Boak, he's old. Like, he's playing okay. At the end of the season, he's fading. He's not going to be a player that can potentially help us win a grand final in the coming years. Like, our list is aging now. Charlie Dixon's going to be going, and he hasn't implemented a new system that's going to allow us to win more games. Like, next year, what's going to happen? Like, Charlie Dixon's a year older. Robbie Gray's a year older. Travis Boak's a year older. Ollie Wines is a year older. And we're moving further from a flag, not closer. And, him as a coach, he had us in our, he had Port in their prime and he didn't capitalize on it. Like we had the best home and away season two years in a row and we still didn't like even come to a grand final. Yeah, that's fair. I tend to agree. I think Hinkley has done his dash. I've thought that for a while now. Those preliminary finals, one, he got really close admittedly, but he has missed the mark come the end of the season and Port have given him 
every chance to squeeze a final out of this list in the grand final, and he hasn't even been able to do that. Even the Crows managed to squeeze one in during Port's peak period, So, and look where they are now. So I think the writing is on the wall for Port Adelaide that you uh, move on and freshen up, uh, take the Carlton approach, take the Collingwood approach, take the, well, I mean, I was going to say Sydney approach, but John Lomai has just been able to change his game and bring different people in around him to keep it fresh. So I think uh, Rick's on the money. He is not the thing helping Port go forward. He's probably holding him back, if anything. And on that, we had uh, Stephen Rowe, Rowey, to has challenged the Port fans because he is of the opposite logic that Ken Hinckley should say. He um, has said that I'd love one of you Port Cowards to come on and explain to me your logic, which Rick has just done, about sacking Hinckley. He actually helped build that club and get it into a really good position, which, I mean, he did bring it into a really good position, but then... He just said it. He, they brought him into a good position. Yeah. But he didn't capitalize he on doesn't it. Need to, haven't won a flag. He so. doesn't need to stay now. If he's exactly. brought into a good position, yeah. thank you. We'll get someone in who knows how to win. So... I'm sorry, I actually disagree with you. Cripps is the person that's brought our club to where it is. He's the one that drafted Connor Rosie. He drafted Zach Butters. He traded Ch- Chad Wingard at a high point in time. That's what brought us in Ryan Bird and, and Zach Butters. Like, you look at that, that's a masterstroke trading trading Chad Wingard for them two. What's Ken Hinckley done? Hasn't changed a football strategy. So what was this guy's name, Craig? Uh, Stephen Rowe. Stephen Rowe, whoever you acts, are. Acts like he doesn't know him. <laughs> But I don't actually know who he is. He's probably related to James Rowe, who can't even break into the Crows team. So realistically, your your argument's invalid straight away. He is related. Well, there you go. It explains a lot. Yeah, fringe Rowe. player, fringe radio host. I'll take you, John, <laughs> or SEN. <laughs> call me up. I'm happy to debate this with you, mate. I reckon you should call into 5AA and have this chat with Rowie. Give me the number. I'll do it. I reckon we might have just found next uh, Rick's next reach out. Might not be a player, but I reckon he should reach out to uh, to Rowie. Wow, this is getting interesting now. I don't mind that. So here's a hot topic for you, boys. So we talked about it a little bit off air, but what do you think about North Melbourne need a coach? We want to get rid of Ken Hinckley. We want Horn Francis. You package it all up. You give our first pick. Mm-hmm. Whatever pick we get for Carl Amon when he leaves, yep, it's second. probably going to be end of second yep. or maybe end of first because yep. he might get a big contract. And Ken Hinckley for Jason Horn Francis. Well, I think that's a pretty good deal. You get to shed Ken Hinckley. North Melbourne get a coach that, quote, Stephen Rowe, helped build that club and get it into a really good position. What so North Melbourne needs. That's what North Melbourne needs. And Jason Horn Francis gets to get out of that dump and back to Adelaide where he actually would enjoy his football a lot more. So uh, on the fake trade scenario, that's a yes from me. Pete? Yes from me as well. That's good because you're a Crows man, so everyone heard it here. Pete wants JHF at Port, not Crows. That's not what I said. <laughs> I said I agree to that trade, but I don't want him to go there. <laughs> Right, speaking speaking of fake trades, uh, we're going to speak about the seven AFL fake trade from last oh end of last week. Uh, now you guys haven't seen it, have you? No, well, I think you might have seen it earlier during the week. But um, who's going where allegedly? I don't believe I've seen it. Mm. All right, so fake trade this week: the D's receive Melbourne Demon, mm-hmm. Lob first rounder, first rounder, and a second rounder, and the second, and the Dockers receive Luke Jackson. Channel Seven have a stiffy for Luke Jackson, like. How many of the fake trades has he been involved in so I far? I had someone... No, we did... I reckon we discussed this with Jake. Um, Maybe we did discuss this. Yeah, with Jake, who was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. We discussed this with Craig, Jake, and myself during the week. I personally think that this is... The trade is so outweighed in the D's favour here. 
I don't think Luke Jackson's worth lob a first rounder and a second rounder. Yeah, but you're paying on that potential. Like, I we- know you're paying on the potential, but how, like you're paying on also a player that's played what? 30, 35 games or something? Go back and watch the grand final from last year. Is Luke Jackson worth it? Is he the reason that Melbourne literally turned that game around? Like, fair enough, he had help from Clayton Oliver and Petrarca, but Gorn wasn't dominating in the midfield. Luke Jackson goes in there, and he changed that game. I agree that he did change the second half, and he turned it in their favour. On potential alone, I like this trade. Unfortunately, to land a big fish, you need to give up some fair amount of assets. Rory Lobb is having a career best year, but he's 29 and decided to have a career best year now. So see you later. A first round pick from Fremantle could be anywhere from 15, 16 odd, and a second round is going to be in the late 30s. So um, not too high a price for me to give up. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad trade for Fremantle. Like obviously Fremantle want him. If they like cash out on Rory Lobb now, like we just spoke about before, Port cashed out on Chad Wingard at the right time. Like Craig said, you're 29 and you've had your best career, like your best season. Like next year, you don't know what you're going to get out of Lob. Whereas like Luke Jackson, if you trade him into Fremantle, he's not going to leave Fremantle. That's where he's electing to go because he wants to go home. So not mm-hmm. only are you getting rid of a player who's 29, you also bring in a 21-year-old kid who's like sky's the limit. Like everyone's talking about this guy. So sky's the limit. You're bringing him home. What, he's 21? You might get 10 years out of him. Mm. And, yeah, you're losing out on a forward. He's proven he can play forward. And who knows what Sean Darcy could do if they split 50-50 forward. Sean Darcy's a whopping mountain of a man. I can't imagine playing against Matt Taberner, who's like 190, 200 centimetres, and then Luke Jackson, who's 200 centimetres, with Sean Darcy resting down there, who's 200 centimetres. I think that is one scary forward line for if you're uh, any kind of key defender. And just on that, like, for a big guy, Luke Jackson still moves. That's his skill. Like, he's a big guy, but he's good on, like, he's good mm. below his knees. He's fast. He tackles. He does kick goals. He's got a good kick. He actually takes good contested marks. Like, that's the other thing. Like, Luke Jackson's showing he's a full package now. Yeah, I think he could even take the number one ruck mantle eventually if he uh, progresses up and, and they choose to go down that path. But I think Fremantle should be doing what they can to bring him in. And this trade looks good to me. Alrighty, very good points there. Any more on the fake trade before we move on? It would be a yes for me if I was um, Fremantle. If I was Melbourne, I'd be trying to keep him because Gorn's got a few years left and they don't really have any ruck stocks. I think it's a yes for me, but I wouldn't be surprised if it changed slightly to have Lloyd Meek going back the other way to Fremantle. So instead of uh, to Melbourne, so instead of that second rounder, maybe Lloyd Meek and Lob go back for a first as well. All right, now while we're on the topic of Ruckman, we're going to speak about him later, but don't say who he is, but we will talk about him in the fantasy kind of rebuild segment, but we have an exciting young Ruckman prospect that Craig and I liked. Oh, the yeah, we did. We won't mention his name. You'll find out later in the podcast, and we'll uh, we'll talk about Hang it later on. on. All right, it's time for Rick's Gauntlet and Would You Rather. So, just to clarify for people that didn't listen last week, so we started the Gauntlet Challenge. Just to cut in there, if you're listening to this and you didn't listen last week, we're really disappointed. Go back and listen to last week. That's a very good point. That's a good point. But, so it started with Nick Dacos and his challenging, who I perceive as the three best players from that year's draft class on current form. So Nick Dacos made it up to Bailey Smith, where Bailey Smith took over, and then Sam Walsh took over. So now Sam Walsh is running the Gauntlet. And we're up to the year 2016. So, we'll kick it off. 
Um, so just to clarify again, Craig and Pete are going to vote. If it's a draw, I'll have the deciding factor on who I think. Um, and yeah, let's get started. So Sam Walsh v Andy McGrath. Yeah, Sam Walsh yeah, is Sam uh, Walsh. well and truly ahead of the number one pick there. Yeah, I think we're going to speed through a few of them. It'll, yeah, it'll, get, so. it'll get a bit better in a few years, but Sam Walsh has got the, the next Chris draft go, how or many, something. How many, how many uh, gauntlet runs is it going to be before we knock Walsh off? Just as a guess. Uh, if Andy McGrath's what we're dealing with, then it's going to be a fair run. I actually think it'll be sooner than you think. All right, I'm going to say at least five or six players minimum. Tim Taranto? No, I think he's yep. got him covered too. I think he's got him covered. He's still doing, he's still going. He's got seven. more polish, yeah. I think, Sam Walsh than Taranto exactly. does. And he's uh, way younger. I agree. Hugh McCluggage? Yeah, we're getting into a more classier style of ball user, but he has not. Oh, he's dominated a couple of games. He kicked four in one and I, a couple I in another. I think Sam Walsh so more far. consistently does it. I agree. So now into 2015, Josh Dunkley? Mm, that is hard because Dunkley played a lot out of position for a long time. His best position's in the midfield. Um, he's played a lot of forward this year. But I don't think he he's as big a match winner as Sam Walsh is on his best day. Yeah, Sam Walsh is definitely not as uh, pivotal and key as Sam Walsh at the moment. Yeah, I'm still with you, boys. Callum Mills? Oh, I would almost <laughs> stop it right here because I think they made a very good point on the weekend. Callum Mills plays two-way footy. He'd get you 15 tackles and still get 35 touches and a couple of goals. Um, he's yeah, on pretty... those points, I still think Sam Walsh is a very good two-way midfielder. He's not ultra-attacking. He does get back. He is, but is he better than, than Callum Mills? On current form right at this moment, I'm taking Callum... Oh, shit. Sam Walsh got three votes on the weekend in that game, they said. Yeah. Um, and again, and Callum Mills in Sydney's win did not get three votes. Um, yeah, I guess we'll stick with Sam Walsh. Sam Walsh for me. Yep, I'm still on Sam Walsh. Mm, that's Clayton hard. Oliver. Oh, well, I know you'll pick oh. Clayton Oliver, so... Yeah, if there's a deciding vote, um, uh, Clayton Oliver. Jeez. Well, to me, Clayton Oliver is probably the best player in the AFL right now. He's, he's the most instrumental player, like... Look what Christian Petrarca looked like without him. Like, if Clayton Oliver goes to any team, he's going to make the number two midfielder look like a stud. Yeah, I think on his body of work in 2021, Clayton Oliver has improved. And, um, yeah, he's probably got Sam Walsh covered right at this point in time. Yeah, at this point in time. Yeah. Over the last year in his current form this year, he's definitely got him covered. Yeah. Yeah, like, all right, this is where, for me, Sam Walsh lost as Yeah, well. that's like, a hard one. You go yeah. look on the AFL Stats website, Clayton Oliver is the only player who's rated elite in every statistical category for his position. He still makes, so he makes every now and again, he, every cup, couple of times a game, he'll make a, just a horrible skill error. So and that still gets me. A couple times out of 33 disposals. Yeah, but how many week? meters gained? Is he getting the meters gained? Is he getting these big things? Is he ball carrying or is he just handballing out? I know he's kicking more. Um, so I imagine his meters gained has gone up, and I know how influential he is. Melbourne are a lot better with him in the team than without. Um, so yeah, I'm happy to say that he covers Sam Walsh at the moment. All right, so now moving to 2014 with Darcy Moore. Yeah, he got him covered. Wait, so now we're, we're I like Clayton that. Oliver? Yeah, Clayton Oliver yeah. now runs the gauntlet. Darcy Moore this year has shown how vulnerable he is one-on-one, so uh, Clayton Oliver Clayton. takes him. Clayton Oliver. Now to his partner in crime, Christian Petrarca. See, I before I, the season started, I was pro Christian Petrarca yeah, over so Oliver. Wind up trading him for Taranto, a straight swap for Taranto in fantasy, which but, in fantasy form has been actually a genius move. Yeah, I mean 
Petrarca did get some big numbers early on, but he also got tagged a lot. Um, but when I watch Melbourne this year, I don't see Petrarca like I did last year. He just doesn't stand out as much for me. So I would definitely have Oliver as over Petrarca this year. But think about this. Melbourne have lost five of their last eight. Who's probably played shit in five of their last eight? Christian Petrarca. Who's played good? Clayton Oliver. And they're still losing. I honestly think Christian Petrarca is a more influential player on the result of games <laughs> than Clayton Oliver is. So what, what's happened this season with Petrarca then, you reckon? Well, he's he certainly off the off, boil. Off I don't know or... if he's even interested. He doesn't look as interested as he was. He's no, got just, that flag. He's not exciting to watch this year. No, he's not. Whether he's unfit or I don't know, but I think he is more crucial. And I think, honestly, he's a better player. But yeah, I, as Rick I says, at this too, point but... in time, yeah. I have to take Clayton Oliver. Overall, like you said, Christian Petrarca, better player, but current form, I would take Oliver. I'm telling you right now, if Clayton Oliver left Melbourne, Christian Petrarca would look like a B-grade footballer. He gets, That's a big call. He literally gets the ball on a platter from Clayton Oliver, who dives on the ground, gets the ball, hand passes him the ball. Think about it. Jack Viney looks good this year. Tom Sparrow looks good in the midfield. Why? Because they're getting easy ball on the outside because Clayton Oliver carries that midfield with his contested ball. He is like the most contested player in the AFL right now. Like what? we, we got more than Matt Rowe. <laughs> <laughs> Better than Matt Rowe. He is Matt Rowe on steroids. That is madness. Matt Rowe, uh, so Matt Rowe on steroids still bad. <laughs> yeah. So moving on. So now Jack Steele. Jack Steele. I would have Oliver. Oh, wait. Do we pick Oliver in the end? Okay. I'd have Oliver. We did pick Oliver. Yeah, Oliver. I mean, Jack Steele. Oh, it's hard because Jack Steele is so consistent. Yeah, but once again, like... For me, the type of play, like if I was building a list, the type of player that I find more important is the Clayton Oliver. Can you imagine if Carl Amon goes to Melbourne, like a real classy outside player, what he'll look like with someone like Clayton Oliver? Like that's what you want. Like if he had a if he had a Carl Amon to dish out to to the side, Carl Amon's going to look like an absolute beast at a club like that. Whereas like Carl Amon looks good now at Port and we don't have any contested players close to the level of Clayton Oliver. Yeah, I... Uh... I just think Clayton Oliver plays a position that everyone can play. Like, there's everyone has a guy in the midfield that can get 30 handballs on the outside. And and I just don't know if that's as damaging as the number one... Oh, no, wait, we've gone past Christian Petrarca. I'm just looking at his stats now. Um, but Well, I know we just thought about him, but what are his stats? Well, he's the number one inside 50s per game in 2022. And Rick argues that he gets a handball out to him. Yeah, that but, makes sense then. Rick didn't mention that Clayton Oliver is also the eighth total contested possession winner in 2022 either. So Rick said he doesn't he get his own ball. Contested. Yeah. Well, he's only seven spots behind Clayton Oliver and he's the number one inside 50. So what Clayton Oliver doesn't do is get the ball and get it inside 50. And also, he is the second in goals assist per game in 2022. Now, Clayton Oliver better be sitting number one, um, which he is not. And he's not even in the top 20. And I'm going down to the top 30 and 35, Clayton Oliver. So, honestly, I think we should have stopped at Petrarca because Oliver doesn't go past him. But Are you retracting your statement with Oliver versus Petrarca? Yeah, now that I have stats right in front of me, yeah. The Clayton Oliver getting the ball out well, is... Let's move back to that. So deciding, I'm not finished on that one now that I see this. I don't think Rick's argument holds up. Well, the problem what about, is... What about is, 34 disposals a game? Yeah. 15 kicks, Hambles. 18 hand passes? Yep. 4.6 tackles, 8.4 clearances a game. Uh-huh. 
And he's only seventh more total contested possessions than Christian Petrarca. So for all of that, seventh more in the AFL. Um, meters gained. He's ranked six in meters gained is Christian Petrarca. Clayton Oliver. Hold on, let me scroll down the page to 21 is Clayton Oliver, which is a whole 2,000 less meters gained in total. He is just not as damaging. And that's why the Melbourne are slipping now because... Clayton Oliver's not number one in everything like he was last year. Um, he is sitting 8th, ninth, 10th, and I think, yeah, he he just is much more pivotal to the success of Melbourne than Clayton Oliver. You can replace him with a Matt Crouch and a whole bunch of other blokes put together. Yeah. So you're saying he's the equivalent of multiple players? I'm happy to say he's the equivalent of multiple players handballing the ball out, yeah. A hundred percent. He's six in total inside 50, second in handballs. Doesn't help. You can handball like five meters. First in total contested possessions. Very good start. Total effective disposals, fifth. First in clearances. So he's good in the in the clinches. I, I get it, but. Yeah, all right. I'm just going to tell you what he's elite in. So disposals, kicks, handball, handballs, inside 50, effective disposals, contested possessions, uncontested possessions, intercept possessions, contested possessions, ground ball gets, clearances, center clearances, stoppage clearances. Like, do we need to say more? He's just a contested midfield beast. Christian Petrarca does the damage on the outside because the hard work's already been done. Yeah, but I think anyone can do that hard work. I just don't think that's as valuable as what as what Christian Petrarca brings to your team. I think oh. he's a Dustin Martin and you've got a million Trent Cotchins in there handling the ball out. All right, let's backtrack then since we've had the discussion. So, Pete, would you take Clayton Oliver or Petrarca? I'm just going to stick with Oliver. Okay. Oliver wins and he beats Jack Steele too by a country mile. So, all right, let's just put it into this then. So, just to settle argument. So, at, you had the choice right now at Collingwood. Would you take Christian Petrarca or Clayton Oliver? I'll take, ooh, what do we need more? Dacos would look really good standing next to Clayton Oliver, getting all these cheap kicks using his elite disposals, wouldn't he? What's Christian Petrarca going to do? Like, be there the- waiting for someone else to give him the ball? He's going to win me the game. Yeah, I'll take Christian Petrarca. His body of work his body of work is, is more Frank important Stanley to me. Opinion. Yeah, I'm happy. I'd still pick him if I had to pick someone tomorrow to come to my team. Pete? Oliver is just not, not sexy enough for me. At the Crows? Who would you take, Petrarca or Oliver? Oh, fuck, they need Petrarca more than they need, need Oliver. Petra- I you got a million Ben Keezers I also and Lairds. would like watching Petrarca every week. The funny thing is, at Port, I'd probably say we need Petrarca more than Oliver because <laughs> we've already got Ollie Wines. <laughs> Correct. But if we didn't have Ollie Wines, I'd take Clayton Oliver. Everyone has a Clayton Oliver. Not everyone has a Christian Petrarca, and I am very happy with my statement. Thank you, Rick, now because of that. All right, moving on. 2013, so we've gone with Clayton Oliver. Josh yep. Kelly. Oliver. Agreed, Oliver. Patrick Cripps. Oh, shit. His form this year has been amazing. Oliver is essentially a better version of Patrick Cripps, in my opinion. I I still stick with Oliver. I'm going to disagree with you boys and pick Cripps, but I will lose this one, so we'll continue. This one here is another interesting one. So, Marcus Bontempelli. So, in my opinion, I would say Marcus Bontempelli and Christian Petrarca are the same style of player, whereas Clayton Oliver is the, the Josh Dunkley role. So, once again, it's kind of what do you value more. But I would say Petrarca is a better player than Bontempelli. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that one. I will take Oliver just shading him. Yep, Oliver. Oliver yeah. yeah, I agree. Brody Grundy? <laughs> we, we're talking right now, aren't we? If we're talking right now, then yep. Yeah. 
Oliver. Oliver. Jack McRae. Oliver. Oliver. Ollie Wines. Oliver. Oliver. Sam Doherty. Oliver. Oliver. Toby Green. Oliver. Oh, shit. Oliver. Right now. Tom Mitchell. Oliver. Oliver. Always. And now we're into 2010, which is the last year before players drop off and are pretty irrelevant. So Dyson Heppel. Oliver. Oliver. Tom Lynch. Oliver. Tom Lynch. I'm having Tom Lynch. Or you lose, Oliver. And Cam Guthrie. Oliver. 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 So just to confirm, the gauntlet went from Dacos to Smith to Walsh to Oliver to cleared out there the rest of the AFL with debatable about Christian Petrarca. So essentially we're saying Oliver and Petrarca are probably the two most valuable players in the AFL. And what do you know? They're Both partners in crime. Yeah. yeah. That's why Melbourne uh, did so good. All right. I've only got um, one would you rather this week. Um, it's kind of centered around the same way last one was with a player from outside of our sport versus who started the gauntlet. So would you rather a prime Cristiano Ronaldo or Sam Walsh in your football team? Cristiano Ronaldo, you don't win Italian Battalion Dior's, whatever the hell they're called, like the best player in the whole entire world versus the best player in the AFL. Of course, I'm going to take Cristiano Ronaldo. 100% agree with that. You're versing the best players in the whole world versus the best players in the AFL. Like, what if you... Yeah, nah, that's not even a contest. Well, you didn't pick Zion Williamson last Because week. he's played like two games and he's like... One season, and then he had a back injury for like two years. He's a big fat sack <laughs> compared to he couldn't even tie Cristiano Ronaldo's boots. He nah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'd take Ronaldo in his prime. Like um, yeah. if he can kick a soccer ball that accurately and majestically, imagine yeah. what he can do with a football. I reckon he could probably roost the footy fifty meters. Yeah, I agree too, and accurately uh, too. Meters and accurately too. And he's super fast. The only I was thing is, say he is really quick. The only thing is, he'd be a pussy. Like, can you imagine Ollie Wines crunching him? <laughs> Clayton Oliver crunching him, what that would look like? No, he but he's not that or hard into that kind of match condition where the others grew up like that. But if you had to throw him in the AFL, yeah, but you throw Clayton Oliver in the soccer field, I think he would be struggling to get a game in Adelaide United, let alone the world. Yeah, 100%. So while we're talking about just spitballing, what type of player do you think Christo- Cristiano Ronaldo would be a version of on steroids then? Like, realistically, he's not going to be laying heaps of tackles. Like, he's not going to be defensive accountable. Like, he's not in soccer. So, like, what is he going to look like on the field for you? Like, for me, I would say he's going to look like a Carl Amon, but, like, a Carl Amon, you can't tackle. He's going to find more space than you've ever seen before. Yeah, I was going to say Ed Langdon, um, that winger type for me, because he's so quick and he can probably finish with the ball in front of goal. So, he's uh, Ed Langdon, Carl Amon on the wing with the finishing power of... Toby Green. Toby Green, yeah. It would also be really hard to defend in the air. Like, have you seen that header he does? He yeah. basically defies gravity and jumps out the atmosphere. Yeah, he, he would literally be like a Toby Green on steroids. Like, yeah. a super athletic, good in the air, <laughs> but, like, he can roost it anywhere from 55 plus, like, pretty accurately. I think he could translate to AFL if he got the gist he of just, it. He needs to toughen up a bit. Yeah, oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, if, every athlete, soccer player does. Tell me one that doesn't. Yeah. So I'm challenging. Like he'd, be, he'd be in the tribunal every week for diving. So I'm going to challenge Matt Rao. You like to make some tackles. You do a Matt Rao reach out to Cristiano Ronaldo. I want to see you tackle him. I want to see how tough he is. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Cristiano Ronaldo would get through like the eight layers of people that read his messages before he even got near him. <laughs> All right, there you have it. Is this uh, 
Is the gauntlet going to be done now because we've gone through the players? Yeah, the gauntlet yeah, is done. But now. is this would you rather with AFL v other sport athletes going to be a regular thing? Yeah, I reckon I'll throw them in there until we touch base with a few of the major sports. Like I'm not going to do stupid things like baseball, but like I'll, I'll have a look at some like, <laughs> NFL players and like but obviously um, like curling and ice skating and stuff. Yeah, they're yeah, like yeah. legit. They're <laughs> in the Olympics. Baseball's not in the Olympics. <laughs> All right, it's time for the weekly quiz. Now, the quiz questions this week are easy, fellas. All right, we're going to move straight into question one, the easiest question, easy. as always. I'm ready. Which two teams drew on the Rick. weekend? Rick. That was <laughs> Fremantle and Richmond. Correct. Good work. All right, one to Rick, zero to Craig. Question two. Which team had the first club song? Rick. What the fuck kind Colton. of question in terms of what? Incorrect. Uh, Craig Melbourne. Incorrect. Hawthorne. Incorrect. Geelong. Incorrect. Collingwood. Correct. I had the fake Collingwood support. Love song. <laughs> I don't think not we did. even. Oh yeah. All right. Question three. Also song related. Club song related. Which team song is this line from? You're a grand Craig. old flag. You've prematurely buzzed in. I'm not I, even I gonna let you. I'm not even gonna let you answer because you you just knew. What do you gonna, mean? No, because you're gonna take a punt. I know that look, and I know that. I heard Rick, grand old Melbourne. flag. It is Melbourne, correct? You just looking at me funny after I said that. I was grand that old is, flag, and I was building up to Melbourne. Is that three zip to Rick already. I was building up. You took you away my point. No. Rick had to right. think for Richmond. I knew Freeman. that. Yeah, that's easy. It's a grand old flag. What was it? What was the lyrics? <laughs> Oh, it rhymes with red and the blue. That's how I know what it was. Yeah, all right. On, on that note, we're going to move on to question four. Question four. Who is currently leading the Coleman medal? Greg. Oh. Charlie Kernow. Okay, Rick can have that point. All right. Well, he came we'll first. Give that to him, but. As per usually, came first. Yeah. No hall pass, came first. Did. Question Bailey four. Smith, where you at? <laughs> <laughs> All right, question five. It's four zip. Don't let this be a pants in, Craig. Question five. Who was the highest fantasy score Rick. last round? Jack Steele. 154. I didn't even that play is, fantasy. That so is correct. I would not even know that. I right. didn't even play fantasy. Surely that's a Jack Ginnivan tattoo right there. No, no, no. There's still a decider This question. is a six-pointer. <laughs> you All know right, that's a six-pointer. This question is coincidentally just now worth six points. Yes. And that's why I haven't let you run the gauntlet, waste all your energy, and then I'm coming in strong. This question is you asked for it the other week again, Craig. A who am I question? I like oh, this is I'm rough. Right. I'm gonna lose this. I like a who am I? All right, here we go. Who am I? I was born 17th of October 1982 and was drafted in the year 2000. Continue. I won six best and fairest Rick. at my club. Luke Hodge. Incorrect. I won six best and fairest at my club, and I kicked Craig, 718 Matthew goals. Matthew Pavlich. Incorrect. I was drafted Craig, to St. Kilda. Nick Rewalt. Correct. That is correct. Nick Rewalt. Unfortunately, Rick, you lose again. Uh, <laughs> Realistically, it's a fake loss. It was 5-1. Well, it's not a fake loss because it's, it's not, the rules of the quiz. The quiz of the rules are that that last point was the winning question yeah. always. Like, with, yeah, you always- I'll take my 5-1. Uh, you fine. peaked too early, Rick. Peaked too early. <laughs> <laughs> but can we just have an extra question then and I'll just have another chance to win with if you know what? last question wins? I can do that for you because anything goes in this quiz. 
anything goes. All right, right. this this, this like question's it. worth two points. So, oh yeah, okay, yeah, okay. Another who am I question? I like it. <laughs> I was born the first of March, nineteen sixty nine. I played for West Adelaide in the Sandful. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. I represented the South Australian team from 1992 to 1997 six times. Rick, it's Tony Modra. It is Tony Modra. Yes, I'm the new winner. Let's go, baby. And there definitely was no clicking of the keyboard and Googling that, but Rick has won the quiz. Seven, six. Controversially won the quiz with a second decider question that was made up on the spot. Boys, I told you last week, I'm coming for five straight wins and- and Craig's going to get a Jack Ginnivan tattoo. All right, it's two two wins in a row, Craig. Uh, three more losses and uh, Jack Ginnivan tattoo the size of your face on your back. <laughs> oh, well, that's the punishment. I, I man up and own that, unlike some in our podcast. No one's had a punishment yet. No, but Rick wasn't going to get one. He was very against it. I'll just cop my licks when if, okay. that, if and when that comes. All right, quiz winner Rick again. All right, now we're going to move on to some fantasy talk. Who would you target for the was it for the future or was it for? We're doing that first, okay? Yeah, we can do that. Uh, Rick has a, a different angle. He's uh, saying who would you target that was probably down on form. Um, that is a pretty good target for you going forward. So we'll do that first. I do have I do have a bit of a mixed list. So okay. I've got players in here. Like I'll just spit out some names and we'll just, we'll just have a few words about them. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of them are like actual like studs that. I would be targeting like in a keeper league long term. Um, some of them are fringe players, players that I think are going to get better next year. So like, for example, we'll open up with Christian Salem. So this year he's had a bit of a down season. He's probably going to be cheaper now than when you're going to get him. But like, I personally think he's going to bounce back next year. Um, the same on another avenue. So Jack Scrimshaw, for example, like this year he's been like knocked out three times and he's like, his average is uh, affected by that. Realistically, he's like good for 80 every week. Um, he's probably one that you might want to talk about, Craig, with um, Caden Coleman from Brisbane Lions. Yeah, he is a must get. Um, he's pushing out 100 points a game, especially over the last couple of weeks. His role is very fantasy friendly. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if he goes even higher with uh, Daniel Rich, Piggy Rich out um, for the rest of the year. What do you I- value him at the moment, Craig? Oh, for, he's a he's a back forward, um, back and going forward, year. he'll be a a back, um, averaging God, he could average ninety plus next year. So he's a he's a second rounder, early late first probably because of his back status, um, which he's going to retain. But um, yeah, I'd probably say early second is where he's at. I wouldn't pay that for him, but. Yeah, well, well your you, team's shit. You are you going to put Jack Scrimshaw? Are you going to pay ahead of him? <laughs> oh, <laughs> probably, probably a second rounder. Like Jack's a late second rounder, but I wouldn't be going into a first rounder for him. Yeah, well, well like equally early second. What's the difference? Big difference. <laughs> um, so then I'll just say my three young studs out if we want to have a chat about him. So we talked about him earlier. Isaac Cummings, um, I think he's going to be an absolute stud. He's only going to get better. It was between him and Lockie Ash on what player was going to bloom and Isaac Cummings is the player that's bloomed. Um, then Hayden Young, and then the big obvious, the number one defender you should be targeting if you're going all out is Nick Dacos. Oh. Yeah, Nick Dacos's value now is just going to be too high. Yeah. Right. yeah. I think he's a... Can, he's clearly a must-have. But you can go for him, you, but you've jumped on too, 
too late now. You yeah. should have gone for him already. Yeah. Start up keeper league next year. Where would you take Dacos? First overall. Oh, he would he would be at least in the top three players picked first. Yeah, I'd, I'd say top, I wouldn't take him number one, but I think he'd definitely be top three. I think who, he's who would worthy be number, of who would number, be number one? one over Dacos that you would pick? Clayton Oliver. Or Bailey Smith, probably. No, I reckon I'd take Sam Walsh number one in a, in a league. I mean, that's, that's a fair. Fair, fair point. Yeah, uh, so I would. It just goes back to the discussion we had two weeks ago. Like, So we've already seen Sam Walsh do this for three years. This is Nick Dacos's first year. They talk about like second year blues. Next year, people are going to rate him more. He's going to get tagged more. You don't know how he's going to cop a hard tag. Whereas like we've just seen evidence Sam Walsh has done it for a little bit longer. But yeah, minus Sam Walsh. I'd probably take a pun on Andrew Brayshaw before him, but other than those two, I'd be taking Dacos next. Yeah, I would. Yeah. I would, Bailey Smith. I would like him, but he's dropped off. He was unbelievable in his first six games, but he's dropped off to the, the low, low hundreds or the few sub hundreds in there. So I think, yeah, he'd certainly be in the conversation also, but Nick Dacos has got to be high up. Mainly, he's keeping back status for at least one more year. Yeah. If he moves into the midfield next year, then... He loses back status a year after, but yeah. But even as a midfielder, he's, he's still elite. Well, we've seen what he can like, do. Exactly, yeah. So I think yeah, he could push Jack McRae numbers really. Even if he's just an outside Maud player like McRae, he could still do one twenties. Being a Nick Dacos owner in fantasy at the moment, and only, you only acquired him later this year. Mm-hmm. What did first of all? What did you get him for? I got him for Mitch Duncan. Mitch Duncan. And Andrew McGrath, and I reckon there was a draft pick in there as well, like a fourth rounder or third rounder or something. Jake, Jake drafted him at the start of the year. Jake did. And then offloaded him for those players and a pick. That's a yes. robbery by you, Craig. Yeah, you've done well there. But now, well, what? Yeah. Well, I mean. Andrew Brayshaw. No, Andrew McGrath is doing nothing, like average-wise, is sitting similar to Dacos. Yeah, but for it, like, I mean, in, in respect to where you're in our league, it's an ultimate get for you. It is an ultimate get for me because I'm in a rebuild. But for Jake, who needs 110 forwards averaging and uh, a solid 80 backman, um, as well as getting a bit of draft capital back for him uh, to win it all this year, it uh, made sense for him. Dacos won't help him win it all like uh, those other combined players will. And second of all, then, with Dacos's current form, what would be the minimum kind of spitball offer that would even get you talking to trade Dacos away? Uh, like, are we talking at least, at oh least God, two first-rounders? I have players in mind. So if I had to go a player, I, I'd look at a, a Sam Walsh. I'd look at an Andrew Brayshaw, someone with a, a massive consistency and a ceiling and someone I can trust um, is the most important uh, aspect in that. A Clayton Oliver could potentially, um, could potentially be there. Um, but if I had to take even a starting conversation would be two first rounders. Um, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I'd pay that. Depending on what they are on the ladder um, and where they come in, because the first round this year is extremely valuable. It belongs to a, a young man named Will Ashcroft. That was very sensual because I say that name when I pray before I go to bed every night. Like, <laughs> Will Ashcroft, be a gun that I think you are. And All right, you talk enough about Will Ashcroft. Let's move on to the midfielders. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, so I've got some midfielders here that I think are going to be better next year than what they've done this year. And then I've got some people that you could probably target cheaper for position tra- changes. And then a couple of, like, I've, I've put down one pretty young, like, player that is probably going to start to be tapering into the very high worth. So I've got 
for the players that I think that are going to start getting, like, are going to have a better season next year, I've got John Newcomb, Tom Green, Matt Rowe, and Matt Crouch. Okay, I would be a buyer on Newcomb. I think he could potentially go better. I don't know if he's 100 yet, but he'll go better. Um, Matt Rowe, I am a hard sell. I don't see him doing anything. I, mean, I feel like we've talked about Matt Rowe enough. Yeah. For we're just going, yeah, we don't have to talk about it. I'm, I'm we're just going to sell. Um, Everyone knows our opinions on Matt Rowe apart from like... Tom Green I like, especially if they lose Hopper in Toronto. I think Tom Green is only going to benefit again from GWS. And the big thing on that is his, like, his last month has actually been really average. So if you are in a keeper league, now's your time to actual target someone like Tom Green. Yeah, Because yeah, you're going to get him cheaper now. And like Craig said, if Taranto and Hopper leave, he's going to have a lot more of a role in mm, that midfield. I think so. And who's your last one? Matt Crouch. Oh, it wouldn't hurt to target him, but I wouldn't be throwing too much to get him. It'd be a mid-round pick at best. Yeah, these are my like the players mm. that you're going to get cheaper, and we're yeah. moving into the more expensive I think so. players. Yeah, you also take a bit of a gamble on Matt Rouch as well, depending on where he ends up next year. Mm. It will depend on yeah what club Matt Crouch yeah. is at. So but it could, but it could be a good get. Yeah. So here's my three players that I think are good target options because you're probably going to be able to get them cheaper because I think that all of them are going to lose their DPP and people are going to sell cheaper just because they've lost DPP and they're going to undervalue them just based as a midfielder because they're used to them being a dual position. So I've got Will Brody, George Stewart and Tim Taranto. I think I'm quite happy on Tim Taranto being a midfielder. I think he's he's a 110 midfielder, so I have no problems. Um, paying up for him. I don't think he's even averaging 100 this year. Yeah, but he's also been, been not playing on the injured. ball as much. Nah. And he's been injured. He had back issues. But Kelly out this week. Taranto played, got 125, I think, around that mark. So if he goes to a club where he's going to play playing on the ball in his form, he's going to average at least probably 110, 115 next year. Yeah, but what I'm saying is people knowing that he's just lost, lost F, this is a time where his value is significantly Yeah, you lower. could. If you can convince someone that he's losing F and he's no good as a midfielder then or as good, then, yeah, you could get him cheap, 100%. Yeah, I agree. I'm saying that he's going to average one. I think he's going to average to 110, 115 next year. So he is a good get, even if he does drop that DPP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, that's why that's why he's on the list. These yeah. are players I would recommend targeting. Yep. Um, so I've got George Hewitt on here. So I traded him this year. Um, I needed more stabilized backs. After watching him for first 10 games, I knew that he was going to be a high-scoring midfielder, but I didn't need a midfielder at the time, so I traded him for Caleb Daniel, so I'm happy with that. Probably lost like 10 to 15 points a game, but Caleb Daniel's never losing back status. Whereas as, as just a center, his scores are actually relevant enough where you would field him. Like He's averaging like close to 100, if not a little bit above. Yeah. So And once again, he's losing back status. You're going to be able to get him a little bit cheaper. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. He's a he's a cheap get because he's yeah. not a supreme midfielder. He's a an average hundred ninety five to a hundred midfielder. And I mean, consistency is a key. There's nothing wrong with that. Like you said, you can easily defield that. Mm-hmm. All right, we'll move on to the two young players that I think if you don't go after them this year, their price is going to increase to a point where you're talking premium range. Intriguing. One of them is going to be very close. So, like, I would say Hugh McCluggage is almost there now. Like, this is his first big year um so you could still probably try to get him now but if you trade like if you don't get him now next year he's gonna move into that absolute premium territory what do you think that is a very good call he has gone from 95 to he's averaging 119 in his last five and i think he has lifted 
where some others in the midfield of Brisbane have not come on. He's got some high scores this year. Too. Yeah, he's got it. When he kicks four goals, there. like or three or four goals, he kicks a goal a game as so well. He's hit 140 twice and over 130, up over 110 at least half a dozen times. And there. he does it consistently too. So that's the key as well. But, and I think that he is... That's what I'm saying, though. He's only got a 105 next to his name this year. But next he could year, be that, 110, next, 115, exactly yeah. Exactly, though. Next year, that is going to be a 110. That's going to be a 115, and you're going to have to pay a premium yep. price for it. I think, yeah, I wouldn't have traded uh, him away if I had him in my team in uh, the Keepler Cup. But um, oh, Sorry, I got yeah. Clayton Oliver for him. <laughs> uh, not as good. Clayton Oliver will decline as yeah. Melbourne declined. So um, human cluggage will only go up from here. And He's- I actually don't believe... Play his projections for the rest of the year as well is 118, 110, 119, 120. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, he's a player that you want to go for. Like, exactly. He's yep. got that 105 now. Next year, he's he's, a, <coughs> he's going to be a premium midfielder. Very good call. And he's only 24. Yep, get uh, him. And then, so this one here, this you're going to say it's a little bit biased because he's on my team. Mm-hmm. But I do think that next year, this player is going to lift. You'd want to hope so. massive talk about him in the media at the moment. People are talking Shit. him up. He's going to be an absolute gun of the future. Chad Warner is a must-have. I reckon. Like, this is your last year that you're going to get him cheap. Um, I am a buy on Chad Warner, and I think Rick's right. If you leave it any more weeks, it is mm. going to get away from you. Get in now. It's harder on the back of two monster performances, but get in now because only next year it will be harder again. Well, he hasn't dropped under 100 in his last five games or four uh, games there, and he's not projected to get under 100 for the rest of the year. That's what I'm saying. And he's 21. Like, yeah. this is your opportunity right now. If you, if you don't target him this year, next year he's going to be averaging close to 100. And then since he's only 22, he's going to be demanding, like, uber premium price. Yep. Yeah, I think agreed. get him. Yeah. Yep. If you can get him now. All right. It's taking a little bit of time, but we'll move into the rucks. So the same thing. You've got some underperforming um, and then, like, um, some more pricey ones. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, Luke Jackson's going to cost you a bit to get in just because all the buzz of one day he could be the Brody Grundy, the Max Corn of the world. Um, Braden Pruce, uh, owners are probably pretty frustrated with him. He doesn't play very much. When he does play, he's an absolute beast. This weekend, he showed you he can score 100, even with a second Ruckman in the team. Um, Tristan Zeri, Goldstein's going to be gone soon. He's going to take over number one. Um, this week, we'll see what DeConning's actually going to be about with Pitonette back in the team. Um, I think Ned Reeves has established himself as he's going to keep the Hawthorne role now. Um, both him and Max Lynch are fit, and they're sticking with Reeves. So if you can get, if you need a young ruckman, he's probably an option. Um, I traded Sam Draper this year, but that's looking like a little bit of a bad decision. Sam Draper's really lifted lately. I just he, can't get around Draper. He is the big he potato just, of fantasy. He just seems like a vlog. He's a, he's a seesaw too. Like he's going to get mm, you. He will. Like, he will literally score you a twelve, and then he'll score you a ninety-five. Yeah, he yeah. will. I just, I just can't get around. I him. agree. Yeah, even if he hits form, I, I I don't know what it is. It's just his personality and his person. I just can't get around him. He plays for fucking Essendon. <laughs> and everyone hates Essendon. And then my big one that you should probably target this year, while you're still going to get them cheap, you'll probably get this player really cheap, and they're going to have a lot of upside potential. Would be Peter Laddams. I mean, when he played this year, he played well. And if Hickey leaves, he is the number one ruckman. I, I think Peter Laddams is probably a good buy now because he's just not sexy at the moment. And I don't even know if he's playing at the moment. So I, I would be a big buy on Peter Laddams. And the other ones I would also be a buy on as well, as long as the price is right, especially for those younger ones. Yeah, definitely. I'd be a buy on all of them. 
just quickly, while we are on the topic of rucks, we'll just give quick props to a player that uh, you go to the game on the weekend, Rick. Yeah, I did. You would have seen him as well, but you weren't sitting with us. You probably didn't have the conversation that we did. But on the weekend for the Cats, Shannon Neal came into the game. He has actually got forward status, but he came in to the ruck. Uh, who went down? Stanley. Stanley went down, uh, which hurts. also hurts my fantasy team for finals. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's only played... This was his second AFL game this year. Uh, first against the Crows, this one obviously against Port. He is 20 years old, and he already looks pretty built for, for his age. That's and quite he is, he is tall, but he just looked full of energy for a big fella. What would we say? He's over 200 centimeters. Yeah, and he, he moves. Just, he just could move. Yeah. And he's just keen. Always, he seemed to, like he got burnt a few times. He was always in the right position. His field kicking wasn't bad either. Yeah. Like There's a bit of upside on him if he... Uh, Eventually grows into that ruck role at Geelong. Like he's only he only got uh, thirty points on the weekend, but only played thirty percent game time. Mm-hmm. We're not saying this is a player to go out and get now, but definitely one to keep an eye on. I certainly really enjoyed watching him, and it gave I well Craig and I were both cheering for cheering for him to hopefully get his first goal, so we could see that. But I really like the look of him, so. Props to Shannon Neal for his second game and definitely one to keep an eye on for the future, I think. I agree. I like him. He's got a certain sexiness about him that um, you don't get from no-name Ruckman. Um, The only thing that is grim about it is since I've been in fantasy football, the Geelong Ruck situation is probably the biggest nightmare in fantasy football. They don't know who they want as their Ruckman. They've never really had a number one clear-cut Ruckman. Then they play Ruckman as forwards, and then they're playing all over the shop. There's just not a great consistency for Geelong in the Ruck department. But if he can get DPP with Ruck forward, I think he, in the future he'll be a good player. Yeah, I think he if he gets yeah. a shot, he'll he'll be all right. But I what was what I forget his name? But what was the Islander player that played for Geelong? Same thing, Radigalia. Radigalia. Look, what's not saying he's just not going to be another Radigalia. Yeah, because but Geelong's just, system isn't he's, great for Ruckman. Like obviously, we only saw him play on the weekend. I haven't heard of him before that, but we were sitting like only about three rows back from the fence. And when Geelong were warming up, Craig and I both looked at each other and said, "Who the hell is this guy? He is massive, like tall, and he looked young, but he's he's not he's not a string bean. He's filled out already, and he just looks so agile. Like Radigalia, you can tell he's a bit slower off the mark, but this guy is only twenty. Look, he just looks good. Do you want me to tell you what young Ruckman I'm more excited about? Oh. Tickle from Port Adelaide. Before he got injured in that one game he played, same thing. He looked good around the ground. He'll probably be back in the port side this week and we'll get to have a look at him. Yeah, I think uh, he looks good, but how good is he going to look when Brody Grundy is the number one ruckman at Port next year? Not as good. <laughs> yeah. um, but I did probably enjoy struggle watching, to get a game. did enjoy watching Tickle for the little bit we did. Yeah, so yeah. I think when Brody Grundy's there, he'll have to bide his time for a few more years, but um, there was potential in Tickle. All right, now we'll just move on to a forwards. I've only got a few of them. Um, so Zach Bailey, he's had a really bad year this year. This is going to be an ultra by low time for him. He's a lot better than the performances he's put out this year. He's a player I would definitely target. Um, I've got Cam Rayner. So Cam Rayner come back from his ACL. People at the start of the year were saying 60 to 70 is a pass mark for him. He's almost made that margin. Next year, I think he's going to get better. He's going to, he's may, he may not be elite but he plays enough forward that he's going to keep forward status, which will keep him relevant for another year. So it's a swing. Um, the other ones I've got here is Dylan Moore. So if you actually go in and look at the fantasy numbers 
and you remove all the DPPs who are just midfielders like Bontempelli, like Tom Liberatore and like Bailey Smith and like all of these DPP midfielders, um, Dylan Moore is actually the number one fantasy player who's pretty much going to definitely keep F next year. While this year's open by now, before people realize that he was actually the number one forward minus midfielders. Um, I've got Shy Bolton. I like the look of him. Um, if Dustin Martin leaves, there's been talk that he's pretty much going to be the new Dustin Martin for that team. He's the barometer for the team. He plays midfield. He goes forward and kicks the goals for him. Mm-hmm. Um, Peter Laddams also falls under this category. If he ends up being the number one ruck next year and he keeps that forward status, he's going to be really good. Um, I've got Tom Sparrow here. Not 100% sure if he'll get to keep his forward status, but if he does, just like Cam Rayner, he's another big swing. Um, if he moves into the midfield more, he's going to produce really good scores. If he doesn't keep it, you'd probably still keep him, maybe for a year, see what he does. And then the last one is Archie Perkins. Same thing. If he keeps forward status, it's a free swing. What do you boys reckon? Uh, there's some names I like in there. I liked Archie Perkins. I traded him away, but I was high on him after his draft year. I also like Dylan Moore. I think it's too late for him, though. It might be hard to get now. If you can and someone's oblivious to him, good luck to you. Well, but Good luck with that because Rick holds him. So. Yeah, like not even in our league. In most leagues, you've got to wake up to Dylan Moore. Yeah, just on that, though, like I'm saying, right now he sits as about the 14th best forward, but everyone above him is a centre forward. Mm-hmm. So... Now, before the season ends in a keeper league, is your time to get him. It is. Once all of those names yeah. above him disappear and you see that he's one of the highest scoring forwards, then it's definitely too late. Yep. And there's another one there, Shy Bolton. As long as he keeps putting midfield minutes on the clock, um, I've always been high on him as a footballer, although I hate fucking watching him, but um, I'm very high on him. So what do you think on the by lie of Zach Bailey? Well, Zach Bailey only got traded a couple of weeks ago in our league. And that was for Cornelio for Zach Bailey in a 2023 fifth rounder. Yeah, but we all we spoke about that on the podcast yeah. and we said that he got ripped off. Yeah, so what are you saying? What's his value at the moment buying him low? Who got ripped off? The Cornelio buyer? No, no they're the saying- Cornelio buyer ripped off. Yeah. Like, ripped about- off the Zach Bailey so, yeah. buyer. Yeah, I think Zach Bailey's too up and down. I don't know how long it's going to be before he comes well, good. Two, that's, three that, years? That's what I'm saying. Zach Bailey's worth biscuits right now. Yeah, like, he what's is. What's the average next to his name? It's not even- no, to be- Cam, Cam Rainer's outscoring him right now. I would think so. He had a good game on the weekend, but that's a, a rare outlier. I don't think Zach Bailey's come on near like everyone thought he would. Yeah, Zach Bailey's averaging 72 for the year. Yeah, I think that's probably fair and of where he sits. He's only got over 101. Uh, yeah, he, his first round this year was 100, smack on. And, and then he that, had he a 90 on the weekend. Yeah, yeah, 96 that, on the weekend. That's what I'm saying. But, like, I believe Zach Bailey's a way better player than what we've seen this year. Like, you look at last year and he yeah, was, well, like, top top 15 forward. He's just had a bad year. Yeah, he has. And well, last year, last year be... he averaged 72 for the year. Oh, that surprises me, actually. I thought he was a lot better last year. No, he probably just had more peak games or he's more in the media because of all his Did he get the good siren. at the end of the year, though? Like, Kick. his heavy end year? Scoring? Last year, he the same. He only hit over 100 once, and that was 101. So his ceiling the last two years is only 100. I okay. know that I Maybe traded him. Zach Bailey. I yeah. traded him. <laughs> Uh, last year, at the very start of last year or the middle of last year, I didn't think that his value was skyrocketing anytime soon. That's interesting though, because I, I didn't think that his ceiling was that low. No, it's 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 hard. He does he plays a forward role, but he doesn't play a high possession forward role. He plays an impact forward role. Um, he plays a a high a high scoring forward role and an X factor like a shy Bolton, but he needs to add another 
a half a dozen possessions to his game and a few marks if he's going to break through the ceiling. And I just don't see it right now. So right. I'd, I'd buy him low, yeah, 100% buy him low. Any more before we move on to the rebuilds? From I think I think Craig has something he wants to go through. No, nah, we're going to shelve Craig's for next week. We'll go through them. Yeah, we are pushing time this week, fellas. We've yeah. got a fairly long podcast. So we're going to move on to Jake's rebuild segment. He, we didn't do it last week, but he sent us three players this week. So, Craig, lead us off. Okay, the first name on the list is Reese the Barometer Matheson, 25. He gets an opportunity and he knows how to find the ball. Played the last two weeks and he got scores of 95 and 73. If he moves on from a strong Brisbane midfield in looking for more opportunities um, in another side, you could uh, probably grab him pretty cheap. He's only picked up by 15% off the waivers last week alone. Um, so is he a hold? He's a hold only if he gets traded to a team where he gets more midfield minutes. But uh, he's one to look at. Rick? Um, so the next one is Miles Bergman from Port Adelaide. Um, so he's averaging 78.5 points per game this season from his six games. He's only 20 years old. He's a midfielder utility, so he plays all over the ground. Um, he currently holds midfielder status. Port Adelaide has an aging list. And Ken Hinckley's post-game press conference saying the team isn't good enough. They'll look to youth over the next few weeks. And this guy has positive, a positive fantasy game with high mark and kicks. Um, he's probably worth a 6th and 7th rounder, but possible on the waivers. He's only 69% owned across the league. Um, the other thing you've got to keep in mind is with Port Adelaide, if Carl Amon leaves, there's obviously a big spot up on the wing, and it's probably between him and Xavier Dersma to um, lock down that position at the moment. I'd have him ahead too. Yeah, beauty. All right, yeah, Jake's, Jake's third play is Ed Richards, Western Bulldogs, 23 years old, uh, averaging 72 this season. Last two games, he's averaged over 105, has a good mark and kick game coming out of the defensive half at the Dogs. Uh, 23, ready con- ready to continue his form, and he's rough, uh, averaging about 80% game time. Uh, Jake says as he matures, he is going to start getting some big scores, someone who can move into the midfield going forward like Sinclair or Short. Jake values him at a fifth rounder. Uh, he is owned by 70% of people, so 30% of your leagues out there is on the wire, and this week alone in the last seven days, he has 148 adds to teams, so mm, he's gone up in 10% ownership just this week, so if get you're going to get on him, now is the time, because his value is getting high, and his last, even his last three or f- uh, three to four rounds is pretty good. He got 116 on the weekend, so... Yeah, yeah you, you just got to keep in mind that's without Caleb Daniel in the team. But just on that point, Bailey Dale still unsigned. If he leaves, that leaves a rebound, uh, rebounding defender role, which obviously he's thriving in in the absence of Caleb Daniel. So if Bailey Dale doesn't sign on, hundred percent, super good get. Yeah, if you're looking for defenders, I think uh, fifth rounder is not bad for someone who can do that. Yeah, or if he's in your on your wire, pick him yeah, up. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, before we finish up our podcast, quick Jack Graham watch. <laughs> oh, we almost um, forgot about the Jack Graham don't watch. Don't forget about the Jack oh, Graham watch. It is a fascinating let me, story. Let me guess. I bet you so he was shit. For those following, after at quarter time on the weekend, he was on five fantasy points. Um, <laughs> he finished the game really strongly and ended on 48 <laughs> fantasy points. He fucking sucks. <laughs> And I can't believe he still gets this much airtime, but 
Jake said he was I mean, a good get. Yeah, that's the only reason you're talking about him because Jake put him in the rebuild segment. And just might I add, to that 48 points, 20 points of those were from his five tackles. Oh, so 28 points, really. <laughs> so he's tackling his way up to scores of 48 now, which is even more grim. He is a sell option, not a buy. He is a sell, or if you could erase him from the league also, that is would he, be another good option. Is he going to keep DPP next year? Oh, I don't know. Is bench a DPP spot? Because could he be centre bench? Because if he is going to keep DPP, or if he's not going to keep DPP, get rid of him now while he has DPP. <laughs> Even if he has DPP, 47 as a forward isn't fieldable. No, that he's crap. If you're going to get an 80 one week and be like, ooh, and then next week get a 40 and be like, oh... Well, he's gone from 96 the week before to 48. And like we said, 20 points of those were from his five tackles. And what was he before the 96? 82, but then 70 and 67. He's, so. he's stinky. He don't want him on Jack your Lecocious team. Jack Lacocious almost outscored him in the first quarter and then did nothing <laughs> for the rest of the game. Correct. <laughs> he is a big stinky poo, so goodbye to him. I was uh, on the side of, oh, he's not too bad, but I'm slowly starting to taper over to Craig's side now. <laughs> we will continue right, watching. We're going to move on to the couple. last segment, which I'm sure everyone likes to hear. Rick's Reach Out. Rick's Reach Out! <laughs> So, first of all, a bit of context this week, boys. As you know, I'm a loyal Port Adelaide member. Go to all the Port Adelaide games. Obviously, we played Geelong this week. Part of the segment is now I'm going to target players in the opposition. Um, so, this week, I decided to... So, I decided to be a bit friendlier in the last few weeks, but this week, <laughs> I decided... I spoke about it. I'd be a Jack Ginevan, Toby Green-style player, so I brought a little bit of that out. And I decided to heckle Joel Selwood this week, boys. Um <laughs> So the best part about it was, so I was giving him a bit of grief. People in the Bay actually really enjoyed it and started to get involved. Um, and at one point, Joel Selwood actually did turn to the crowd. He yelled something at us. I couldn't make out what it was, but he was quite upset. I did try to find it on KO so I could upload it on our Instagram, but I can't actually pin the moment. So if anyone can find it, please send it to us on Instagram. It would be appreciated and I'll what, post it. What kind of heckling was there? Um, so... I. He kicked the ball out on the full, like right in front of me, and I told him that he should start looking for another job because football's <laughs> not for him. Um, he's my least favorite Selwood brother. I can't even name the other ones. Um, other people were yelling out, "Your brothers hate you." Um, there was just, there was just a lot of heckling. Um, so everyone jumped on the bandwagon from you heckling. Yep. So yeah. shout out to Bay One Thirty Five. Really appreciate it. Let's go. If you go Did to the port. They actually gave it to Bay 136. So we won it and they gave it to the wrong Bay. They gave it to the wrong Bay. Oh, that sucks. That is stiff. Well, if you, uh, if, you go, if you do go to the Port Games and you are around Bay 137. 135. 135, then give Rick a hoy. Also, just on that, the Hinkley out, Hinkley out chant is going to be coming from Bay 135 this, uh, actually, when we play <laughs> Richmond, when we can't make finals. Thanks to whoever put the sign up. It's giving a little bit more publicity. More of the public will probably be about it, and I'm going to try to get that chant going. But back to the original thing, I just said, hey, Joel, remember when you spat it at Bay 135? Yeah, that was me. You're welcome. Beautiful, beautiful. <laughs> oh, there you have it. Rick's reach out now. Are we going to get Rowie from 5AA as your reach out next week? I might reach out to him now. Because there is a possibility that he will want to bite and respond at that. If he you, yeah, he he will potentially bite, and it could be an interesting reach out. We could get our first response. Who knows? It's worth a shot, boys. 